0: There's a whole life.
1: I once asked a friend of mine who worked in Hawaii, where do people who live in paradise go when they take a vacation? Without missing a beat, he shot back Las Vegas, Nevada. And that's true. The town pulls in visitors from all over the world with that now well-known phrase, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Jay Rankin knows all about Nevada's fabled Sin City. For six years, he worked a job that's one of the most prized posts in the city, doorman at a major hotel casino. In Jay's case, it was the MGM Grand. He competed with 1,500 applicants to win a lucrative slot as Guest Ambassador, what was then the world's largest hotel. Jay was there when it opened, and for the next six years, Mr. Rankin witnessed and participated in the great carnival that is Las Vegas. He's turned the story of what he experienced into a new book. It's titled Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman story. While Jay's made a successful escape from the gambling mecca, his path out lies littered with Casualties. Joining us from Los Angeles to talk about what happened is Jay Rankin. Jay, welcome to Radio Parallax.
0: Doug, thank you so much for having me on.
1: Can we, can we start by telling us how you landed a job as a guest ambassador at the MGM Grand?
0: Well, that's that's a bit of a story uh, unto itself. I actually had a television show in Las Vegas um, about the new businesses that were rolling into Vegas in those days, and I met an awful lot of people, and during that, that short stint of, of the show where I was an anchor, um, they were building the, MG, the new MGM Grand, and it was a, uh, a huge project, and a lot of people weren't sure that it was going to be very successful. But as they were building it, I continued interviewing through all the stages of development the um, executives, and slowly we got to know each other, and I had those connections. So when the MGM was completed and they were hiring, uh, I was one of those, uh, as you uh, said, those 1,500 applicants. My problem was that I had connections, but I had absolutely no hotel experience. So I got very lucky that I got what they called the highest tipping job in the city at the time.
1: <laughs> well, you had a great anecdote, which I, I have to I have to. Re- Note for the listeners, you were describing the job interview situation. The guy looks at you and says, geez, you look kind of familiar. And you, you turn around and point at a TV monitor where your face happens to be on the screen.
0: Yeah, that's a true story. <laughs> that's an absolute true story. He wanted me to be a dealer. He, he said, you know, we need more dealers. And I said, no, I want to be the doorman. And, I, and he said, you look familiar. So absolutely. And the timing was perfect. <laughs> uh, there I was on the monitor interviewing some of the executives for the hotel, so he hired me.
1: <laughs> It's a dream moment in a job interview. It was. <laughs> well, Jay, you have a master's degree in psychology, which I, I gather must have yeah. been, been unusual for your peer group.
0: You know, I, I think at first I really felt out of place just being in Las Vegas. I do have a background in psychology. I was a marriage, family, child counselor. I did a lot of um, uh, adolescent counseling, a little bit of addictions counseling, and. Um, I guess I needed a change, so I ended up in Las Vegas. But it, but all of that experience did give me a very unique perspective um, that I think otherwise I would have not have had. Uh, I had kind of a front-row seat <laughs> to uh, not only the largest hotel in Vegas, but to Vegas itself. It was quite the experience for me.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to talking about, about some of that. But But can you tell us first, can you give people an idea of just how lucrative your position was,
0: well, um, it was all about tips, and, and uh, when I initially uh, got the job, and, and uh, after the training and the hotel opened up, I was blowing my whistle in people's ear. I was trying to blow just with my mouth and salivating all over people. Of all the doormen, I think I received the least amount of tips until they kind of showed me the robes. I kept hearing this is the highest tipping job in the world, and in fact, as I learned how to spin and call up the, the taxis and, and assist people and help them going to all their various places, su- suggesting restaurants and shows, the tips came in uh, fast and furious. It, it was amazing. Our pockets were bulging to, to the point where we literally had to take breaks run to our lockers back inside the hotel, empty our pockets, and come back out again. <laughs> um, it was just an amazing tipping job, and, and I, I think the biggest night I ever had working about nine hours was during one of the Mike Tyson fights, where my partner and I each made $2,000 in cash in about nine
1: hours. Pretty good. So, but you, yeah. you, you point out in the book that this is a very physically demanding job with a lot of mental agility also required, and... Uh, the book, in fact, starts out with the description of working that uh, the door that night of the Mike Tyson fight, and it's uh, kind of a kind of some scary stuff. Can you talk about you know the, a fight crowd, what that was like?
0: That first chapter uh, was the most profound experience I had had during my years working the door. Um, anyone who likes, they can pull up my site at jayslasvegas.com, dot com, and it's a free download. That first chapter, and it does, in fact drop you right in the middle of the night that Mike Tyson bit a chunk of Evander Holyfield's ear and the chaos, the utter chaos um, that, that happened after that fight. I think a lot of people really don't know the true story of what happened, but, but here I was standing right at the door watching literally thousands of people like a human avalanche, a stampede, coming right at us. And it was a scary night. Uh, Tyson fights always brought in people from different cultures. White, black, every color of the rainbow showed up. Uh, Some gangs showed up. People from Beverly Hills showed up. Lots of alcohol, lots of drugs, uh, lots of pandemonium. Uh, These were always nights that that were, although uh, great in terms of, of everyone making money, whether it was a doorman or a dealer or a hooker or drug dealer or the casinos themselves. On those nights, the city was so packed with people uh, spending money so freely that everyone did well on those nights. But it was a challenge, You're dealing with a lot of people that are pretty out of control. And that night was certainly, uh, like I had said, the most chaotic night I had ever had, probably in my life, let alone in Las Vegas.
1: Even on a tranquil night, Jay, it sounds like you were regularly abused by a lot of the angry pa- uh, patrons, maybe after they lost, and, and you had to kind of deflect that animosity, which, which I imagine took quite a, quite a toll on a person.
0: One of the things you have to understand working in a 24-7 town like Las Vegas, um, on the other side of that fence, not as a guest but as an employee. You know, we're working for corporate now. Every, everything is about the shareholders and the bottom line. Other than that, Las Vegas is, is the same. People come there to blow steam. They come there to drink, to get high, to get crazy, and, and I, in fact, help them get crazy, and I help them have a great time. The problem came in when people overstepped their own personal boundaries. When, when they when they crossed too many lines, and I saw a great deal of that at my job, there were people that um, literally did not take care of themselves. They stayed up all night, they drank, they gambled, they lost much, much more than they should have. Uh, they polluted themselves, they dehydrated themselves. Uh, very often, if they came with a girlfriend or wife, husband, uh, I could see that look in their face. And... I just can't tell you how many times I saw people arriving on a Friday night looking so fresh and clean and and sparkling and um, holding hands. And then by Sunday afternoon when they were leaving, I think I lost count how many couples I saw wearing the same clothes. (laughs) It looked like they hadn't changed. Their lips were cracked, dehydrated. Their eyes were blood red. They literally did not take care of themselves. They didn't spend time together. They 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 hurt themselves. They damaged themselves. And we were the last ones that they saw. So very often they took it out on us. It was a, a rage, a self-loathing uh, that I had never seen before. It took me a while to figure it out, but I had had cigarettes flicked at me and drinks thrown at me, cigars thrown at me. But, but like I said, we're working for corporate, and it was our job to be nice to everyone. So it was a bit of a challenge.
1: Let's talk about how casinos keep people spending insanely, beginning with even how slot machines are just designed to mesmerize people.
0: A slot machine is very scientific, and uh, there's, there's a whole corporation that does nothing but try to sell uh, slot machines to to casinos and the reason being is that they're working on new technology all the time. The, the sounds that come out of the machines are, are in certain keys. They found through their research that there is literally certain images that a slot machine can present that has a much more favorable reaction to the human brain than others. Um, sometimes the tones are in the key of C. Uh, which is is, uh, the most favorable key uh, for the human ear. So they do all kinds of little things, little tricks, certainly a casino. There's no windows, no clocks on the walls. Most of the shopping and the the restaurants are at the far end of the casino so that you do have to walk through. There's all kinds of little tricks, 98% return on your money. That's really a ploy on words. What it really means is that the casino has a 2% edge, on every dollar that you put in, uh, so the odds are still against you. (laughs) The color of the carpets, the lighting, the ceiling, the stimulation that goes through a casino, it, it, it really can keep you awake. People used to think that they pumped in oxygen. They didn't understand that it wasn't oxygen that was getting them so jacked. It was just the stimulation, the noise, the tones, the colors of the carpets. So these are just some of the, the ploys, um, and certainly there's others. There's cocktail waitresses, you know, every uh, 10 feet that are there to serve your every need, whether you want cigarettes or a drink. Um, they're, they're right there to take care of you and keep you, keep you happy, keep you comfortable. Uh, as a matter of fact, many of them say this machine is due to hit. It's due to hit. And one of the reasons they're saying that is they're really hoping that it does hit, although they can never predict that, because they want a tip. <laughs> the whole city is about tips. The way you're treated, certainly the whole um, invention of the Players Club card is a card that people, it's, it's kind of like um, winning tickets at a carnival. The more tickets you win, the bigger the prize. Well, the same thing with the player's club card. The longer you play, uh, the bigger the prize. You can get comped a meal. You can get comped your room. So there's tons and tons of things that that hotels and casinos use uh, to keep not only players um, staying in the casino, but having uh, those same players call that casino home when they come back into town.
1: Well, Jay, at the close of the book, you outline how the casinos can play very hard ball if they're challenged, and I was sort of surprised at some of the details you, you included in the book. But I, I was wondering, did you get any sense that the powers in be in Vegas maybe don't mind what you're, sh- you're showing the public because, you know, they want to get out there that you shouldn't cross them?
0: Well, I don't think they're too worried about me. <laughs> I, I, I really don't. I think they see this as free advertising. The only thing that ever really challenges Las Vegas, to be honest with you, is a recession. I mm-hmm. don't think it's competition. I don't think it's truth be told books. I, I don't. I don't think it's it's much of anything that shakes these people up other than their shareholders, quite possibly. Um, but but the one thing for sure is a recession. Las Vegas is built on targeting literally everyone. If you really think about it, there is every single culture coming into this city. There's just about every single uh, job description um, based on the conventions. Not all the conventions are with thousands of people. Some of them are with 20 people, 40 people, but there's thousands of those conventions. There's Chinese, there's European, there's Canadian, there's Cinco de Mayo, there's boxing. They just opened up the Hard Rock for that target, um, and and Planet Hollywood for the younger people. Uh, Steve Wynn came back uh, targeting the adults again. I I I think that that hotels play big hardball, big time. Uh, they're not going to let you go. They're going to keep getting bigger and better. They're going to keep targeting people, and they're going to find new ways to bring people in. So someone like me who's writing a story about the other side of the fence isn't really going to challenge them at all. It's not going to make much of a difference as far as their bottom lines are concerned, in my opinion. Otherwise, I think I would have been sleeping with a fish by now.
1: The book is Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman story. We're speaking with author Jay Rankin. Uh, Jay, I wanted to ask you just on some, about some personal stuff, and, and, and starting with one moment you described in the book that kind of caught my attention, uh, you're, you're working in front of the hotel, an Asian man steps out where you're hailing the cabs, he grabs the slender woman he's with by the hair, pulls her to her knees, you look over and wonder what sort of strange interaction you're witnessing, and uh, it really it made me wonder, how often on a given day did you observe this sort of bizarre human psychology?
0: That's a great question, because it was not that uncommon that I witnessed things going on between men and women. Um, it wasn't just men and women. It was all relationships. Uh, I don't want to put it into any one category, because there was something that I began to witness, um, and it, 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 it wasn't just with this aging couple um, That could have been something cultural for all I knew, but but it, it really was very disturbing. And I truly feel, certainly with my psychology background, that the people that are closest to you are going to be those that you're going to take things out on. Certainly coming to Las Vegas can become a very stressful, damaging experience. To me, Las Vegas offers everything. And it's your chance to possibly rekindle a relationship. It's certainly a chance for a relationship to experience new things with all the shows, all the entertainment, all the restaurants. Vegas is a pretty spectacular, pretty stunning place. But what I did notice and what I did see among some couples was that look and and i've referred to it before that look in their eyes where i could only assume that they did not spend quality time together <laughs> they did not share a good time together they lost money possibly um, some very damaging things were said between the two of them uh... because they were so exhausted or they had been drinking for such a long period of time without taking a break the child's lunch money is gone for the year whatever the reasons it was that rage that self-loathing very often i'd see men screaming at women i've seen women screaming at men and and some of the things i've overheard is how could you how could you have done that or why did you do that uh lots of crying and uh, it, it, it's interesting. It really is. It, it really, Las Vegas, as much as it offers, can test all relationships, believe me.
1: Well, uh, Jay, your book certainly outlines uh, what happened to you, the, your personal story. You, you came to Vegas with your wife thinking you'd stay immune from the craziness, and, and you're obviously a bright guy, but you outline how the environment kind of pulls a person into the, I guess, anything-goes uh, spirit, you know, bit by bit.
0: It's really an interesting uh, event that takes place in the brain, and I don't know if it's chemistry or what it is, but there's something that happens to people when they're placed somewhere with no boundaries, with no limits, no clocks, no, no Saturday and Sunday. They're, they're, the weekend, my, my weekend was Thursday and Friday, which meant that my Monday to go to work was Saturday night. And my hump day was Monday night, so it got real confusing. It, 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 it's difficult, and I worked in the middle of the night. So there's a real challenge working, living, even visiting in Las Vegas, because there are no clocks. It's 24-7. There are no rules. There, there's no last call. You can be anyone you want. You can do anything you want, but, but there's a caveat. There's lots and lots of landmines in las vegas there's there's all kinds of things that come out at night and i think it's very important that people be uh, very aware of the fact that that these landmines can have a direct correlation uh... on on your life and certainly my living in vegas for eleven years and working in the middle of the night certainly took its toll on me and my personal relationships, it, it was very, very difficult. It really was. And I've seen an awful lot of relationships just completely fall apart, simply for no other reason than people just not seeing each other. Uh, they didn't have the same shift, didn't have the same days off. It's a challenge.
1: Well, Jay, I'm sure a lot of our listeners uh, may go to casinos from time to time, enjoy themselves. What, what What do you say to people who want to go out and take that walk on the wild side.
0: I say have fun. Have a blast. Just be aware of the fact that a $20 bill can be gone in a matter of seconds. That you really do need to budget yourself, and, and the odds are that you're probably going to go over your budget. Another thing that I've seen a lot of is that if people first arrive and hit a jackpot, they're not going to stop. Uh, yeah. So that jackpot, by the time they leave, is gone. and And of course they feel real angry about that when they're leaving, when they realize, hey, we just lost an awful lot of money. Plus, you wrote a check or you used an ATM card or a credit card. So it's it's something you really, really need to be careful with. Other than that, I say have a blast. Gambling is not the only thing Vegas offers. Go see a show. There's incredibly good shows uh, to be seen. The entertainment is the best in the world in Las Vegas. The nightclubs are spectacular. So there's so many things to do other than just sitting and gambling the whole time. Go and have fun. Have a blast. Take it all in. And, and, and kind of get to know uh, and plan um, your stay. Get to, get to know who's playing when you're going to be there. Uh, look at some of the restaurants and some of the hotels. Plan it out. Make some reservations. And just take it all in. Have a great time. Don't uh, dehydrate yourself and, and uh, you know, hurt yourself. That's my advice.
1: Jay, I just want to ask you, do you have an opinion about the spread of gambling venues all over the U.S.? We're here in California now seeing Indian tribes trying to sponsor urban casinos, even though they're hundreds of miles away. They're fighting over this in Richmond right now. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: You know, it's a—it's difficult. It's kind of like saying uh, to the right or to the left, everybody's got a good point, everybody's got a bad point. Um, I, I, I think it's Always been a challenge for Las Vegas with the spread of the Indian gaming. Um, it, it it's uh, it's been something that Vegas fought against and lost. And of course, you've got uh, I believe it's Macau uh, off right. the China Seas, which is another gambling mecca that uh, certainly hurt Las Vegas with a lot of the high rollers. Yeah. So and now you've got all the local you know casinos springing up uh, in all the different states and. I understand the reasons for it. I, it's, it's wonderful income in terms of um, tax relief for some of the states. They need it desperately. I think that the Indian tribes themselves, for the first time in I don't know how many centuries, have finally uh, found a way um, to coexist, to, to make a wonderful living, to have great schools, and I applaud that as well. Um, so there's give and take with all of this. Um, I'm not so sure it's good for all the residents as anything else out there. It's addicting as a drug, as alcohol, as cigarettes. You've got to be very careful.
1: Jay, I also have to ask you about, uh, about a, what's actually a pretty funny movie set in Vegas, The Hangover. I'm uh, wondering about your reaction to a comedy about four guys losing all their boundaries in Vegas. And after you know, after reading your book, I thought it, it may not be as wildly exaggerated as some might imagine.
0: No, I don't know where they got the tiger. But other than that, everything looked pretty uh, right on to me. It really did. I've known people walking around without a tooth and couldn't remember what the hell happened. So... You know, as far as I was concerned, even the way they were sleeping, I've seen that too. You know, people going uh, brain dead, mashugana, nuts, uh, somebody's missing, uh that panic of losing someone, um wondering who she is. <laughs> all all of I, I thought the movie was really good. I enjoyed it. And absolutely, you can have all that if you want to. I wouldn't advise getting in Mike Tyson's face. But, but other than that, you know, I love that movie. I thought it was great. I had a good time watching it.
1: Well, waking up married to Heather Graham, I think a lot of us, a lot of guys think that wouldn't be a bad idea.
0: <laughs> Not a bad idea at all. Not at all.
1: We've been speaking with Jay Rankin. His new book is Under the Neon Sky, a Las Vegas doorman story. It's a fine read, and I, I recommend that you check it out. And Jay, once again, what's that website that you have? People can go find Chapter One.
0: Jay's, J-A-Y-S, Jay's
1: Jay Rankin, it's been a pleasure.
0: It's been my pleasure, Doug. Thank you so much for having me on. I enjoyed it. Lady love, please let the dust stay hot. Let me shoot the seven with a eight.